All right, before I start the show, I want to tell you about our sponsor, MetPro. Last spring, you might remember that I did an episode with MetPro's founder, Angelo Poli, about how his company has helped thousands of people understand their bodies better through metabolism tracking. Well, MetPro just launched a brand new tool that lets you see the same science and tailored strategy that their experts use. So you can start tracking, analyzing, and learning what your metabolism responds to best. Now, my listeners get up to one month for free when you sign up, so head to metpro.co slash getfitguy to learn more. Welcome to the Get Fit Guy's quick and dirty tips to get moving and shape up. My name is Brock Armstrong and I'm the Get Fit Guy. Over at a website called Nutritious Movement, it says this. Around the globe, people are waking up to how many of our ailments and illnesses can be attributed to our deeply sedentary habits. People have been told to move more and move better to resolve their pain or decrease their risk of certain ailments, but they're not sure where to start. And that is exactly where people like my guest on today's episode, biomechanist and author Katie Bowman, come in. Katie is an internationally recognized biomechanist, author, and science communicator with both the skill and the passion for reintroducing movement into people's everyday lives. With her best-selling books, an award-winning podcast, and her online classes, she reaches hundreds of thousands of people every month, and she's been featured on TV shows like NBC's Today Show and in publications such as Prevention and Good Housekeeping. Now, Katie has recently teamed up with Jill Miller, fascia expert and the co-founder of Tune Up Fitness Worldwide, to create a comprehensive whole body program that breaks down the act of walking into its components. By tackling each one separately, their aim is to help improve your gait, gain distance, and make every step count for whole body health and longevity. And the program is aptly called Walking Well, a stepwise approach to an everyday movement. I actually just completed the entire 14-segment, 6-hour course, and I can say firsthand that walking well is for everybody. And everybody. <laughs> Luckily, during this time of social distancing, I was able to work on my walk in the comfort of my own home and move through their course at my own pace. Now, before I get into the interview with Katie Bowman, who recently celebrated her 44th birthday by walking 440 miles, and no, that wasn't all done at once, well, Katie has been quoted as saying, walking is a superfood. And I asked Katie what she meant by that. I think of walking as a superfood because it really does utilize most of the parts of your body. It's really not only a lower body phenomenon, it's a whole body phenomenon. It's a weight-bearing phenomenon. It's when you're carrying the weight of your body, and that's when you're carrying nothing. You just Humans are heavy, so you're carrying your weight. You're propelling yourself from point A to point B, and you're utilizing so many of the lever systems of the body that it is really an effective way of getting lots of movement into a short period of time. So there's that, there's, there's that it uses so much of you. And it's also a really great movement for getting other things done besides just the movement. You can 
connect with other people on foot. You can run errands. You can you can get a lot of the other tasks in your life done. So it allows you to sort of layer more movement into your life. That way you don't have to step away from your life as much. So it's it's nutritious. I think of movement in the same way I think about food is nutritious because it's nutrient dense, meaning it moves lots of parts of your body. And then it also allows you to layer lots of experiences upon the movement that you're getting. So it allows you to not only have a period of time in which you're exercising, it's a period of time in which you can be checking the exercise box, but also checking your friendship, relationships, uh, work, other to-do list things. So it's it's just a nutrient-dense approach all around. That is a great way to look at it. It really is a nutrient-dense approach all around. Now let's get into the Walking Well program. The Walking Well program is divided into six sections that each focus on a key topic. So you know what? I thought it would be fun to go through each of the six sections and get Katie to explain each one's importance and then give us a simple exercise that we can do at home right now. And you may actually want to stand up and do these exercises while you listen because she explains them quite well. Let's start with waking up the feet. Why is this important? A lot of our anatomy is located from the ankle down. 25% of the number of bones and muscles and ligaments in your body are from the ankle down. So that it implies that there's a lot of movement potential there. So not only is it extremely complex in terms of shape and movement potential, it's also maybe one of the least moved parts in our body. We've all sort of wrapped our feet in shoes sort of very early on. So we've got this relationship between the potential for a ton of movement and the habit, the cultural habit of getting even less movement in our other parts in this area that is very sort of supposed to be dynamic. And then we also ask that this very weak, undermoved part of our body carry our body weight from point A to point B. So it's, I thought it's really important for people to understand that the feet are foundational. They're, they're literally foundational, but then they're also metaphorically foundational to this process of walking. And so if my listeners wanted to wake up their, their feet right now, what would be a quick way that they could just get that process started? Very simple. So I'm going to use your hands to kind of teach you the exercise. So if you look down at your hands and you make a fist as tightly as you can, and then I want you to open your hands and do the opposite of a fist where your fingers are not only open, but they're spread and extended. You're really stretching the fingers away from you. And we're going to do that exact same thing with your feet now. It helps if you don't have shoes on, but you can absolutely still do it in shoes. You're going to curl your toes. You're going to make foot fists, if, if you will. You're going to think of squeezing them or gripping them or curling them as much as possible. This is where the barefoot comes in because your shoes can actually prevent you from using all the muscles in your feet. So you're making foot fists and then you're going to, after holding that for, I don't know, we've held it for about 10, 12 seconds, you're going to do the opposite. You're going to stretch and release and spread the toes away from each other. And it really does help if you do this with your hands at the same time. You just do a couple more of those. So foot fists, toe curls, scrunch hold. You might even get a little cramp in there if you've been using those muscles for the first time and then do the opposite. Spread, lift the toes away from the floor just like your fingers would sort of bend backwards. It's called extension. We'll do one more time. Foot fists, squeeze, 
and then go ahead and not only release, but go and stretch vigorously in the opposite direction. Oh, that feels so good. I love that. (laughs) Now, the next section is strong and supple ankles. Why is that important? Well, it's not necessarily in the way that you think. Obviously, you definitely want ankles that are stable underneath you for all the obvious reasons of, you know, you've got better balance and and whatnot. But your ankles, because of the way that the muscles attach in the legs, the ankles quickly lose range of motion when you sit a lot. So I don't know if any of you out there listening sit a lot, but our culture sits a lot. And because the knees are bent, you end up getting very tight calves, which end up reducing the range of motions that the ankle can move through when walking, running, or cycling. But more important than that loss of range of motion is that the pumping action of your foot as it's moving through its full range of motion at the ankle, I think of it as an extension of your cardiovascular system. So we think of the heart as pushing the blood around your body, but it's really the muscular contraction that is very large part of how the blood is propelled around your body body and so the lower legs it's the farthest part away from you from your heart and so that pumping action is a very um, important part of how your cardiovascular system functions so without that regular pumping action at the ankle when it's limited simply through how little you've used your ankles through the full range of motion i think of it as a contributing factor to an overworked heart, if you will. It's like the 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 pumping action is is missing, and so we're we're asking other parts to sort of step in. When I take a walk, I'm like, "All right, heart, I'm going to give you a leg up, so to speak, and I'm going to let my my ankles moving do some of the work to get the blood back up to you." Wow, you're absolutely right. That is not <laughs> the normal expected answer. I love that. Again, how can how can my listeners get their ankles, I guess, supporting their cardiovascular system right away? So I'm going to have you start standing. And I want everyone just to do a few calf raises. And if you don't know what a calf raise is, it's when you're standing and you sort of lift the ankles away from the ground and you'll feel the, the weight kind of move towards the front of the foot. You're rising up onto your toes and then you're dropping your heels down. So this is a very common exercise performed at all the gyms all over the world. But if you were standing in front of a mirror or if you bent over to watch your ankles as you were doing this, you might notice that as you were raising up onto your toes that your ankles were not traveling straight up and straight down. You might notice that they travel up but also sort of fall away from each other so your ankles widen away from each other or maybe you have one that likes to drop out to the right or maybe you have one that drops in. Um, Maybe you notice that that your ankles sort of rotate as you come up and come down. So I call this exercise calf elevators because an elevator travels straight up and straight down. There's no rotation to it. It doesn't travel sideways in either direction. That's what I want your ankles to start doing on a calf raise. So the calf raise plus good alignment is called a calf elevator. And then You can do that a few times. You can do it if you're at a standing workstation or when you're standing in line. So even if you can't take a walk, you can get some of that pumping action. And if you really mind the position of your ankle joints, you'll also be working towards a more stable and balanced step. Before I go on, I want to tell you about our sponsor, MetPro. Last spring, I did an episode with MetPro's founder, Angelo Poli, all about metabolism. And his company, MetPro, continues to help thousands of people transform their bodies by 
hacking their metabolism through concierge coaching. Now, I spent a couple of months actually using MetPro a while ago, and it was a really cool experience, I have to say. MetPro is doing some really interesting and innovative work to help you better understand your body so you can get the results you want. And MetPro actually just launched a brand new tool that lets you see the same science and the tailored strategy that their experts are using. And you know what? It's not a food logging tool or a workout app for that matter. The MetPro app actually allows you to start tracking, analyzing, and learning what your metabolism responds to using science. And my listeners get up to one month for free when you sign up if you head to metpro.co slash getfitguy to take advantage of this opportunity. That's metpro.co slash getfitguy for up to one month for free. I want to tell you about today's sponsor, the FitTrack Dara Smart Scale. FitTrack gives you in-depth insights on your fitness progress to help you reach your goals. The Dara Smart Scale measures 17 health metrics, including BMI, hydration, muscle mass, and a whole lot more, and it syncs with the free FitTrack app. So all your health insights are available, well, wherever you are. And the scale takes up to eight different users, which is something I really like about FitTrack because, well, I don't live alone and it's really nice to have those insights available to everybody in the house. Now, I like to track my muscle mass, but my partner has an eye on her hydration levels. So whatever you want to focus on, FitTrack can help you do it. So stop measuring just your weight and start measuring your health with FitTrack. Go to getfittrack.com slash fit to take 50% off your order. Plus, for a limited time, you'll also save an additional 10%. If you go to G-E-T-F-I-T-T-R-A-C-K, that's getfittrack.com slash fit, and you will save 50% plus an additional 10% off your order. So don't miss out on this amazing limited time offer and go to getfittrack.com slash fit. And on to number three and four, the supportive stance leg and the swing leg spectrum. Why are these important? Well, in a biomechanics laboratory, we like to figure out what every part is doing during a, a stride, if you will. And, and your legs, you're, you're, you're always walking two legs at a time and there's a handoff. So you have a, in a gate, in a cycle of gait, you have one leg that is the supportive or stance leg. That's the one that's holding you up as the other leg now has to swing through to where it lands and then it becomes the stance leg. So both legs will need to be good stance legs and good swing legs. And you might have uh, an issue with your gait that is not so much, you know, people will say like, I have a bad knee or I have a bad back. And, and so we try not to have you sort of write off whole parts of your body is not good. Chances are that they're doing excellent things in some phases of your gait, but they're not doing all that they could be in others. So we like to break it down enough so that someone could assess themselves to say like, oh yes, I can see that my, what I've been calling my bad leg, is not really a bad leg. It's a great stance leg. It's just that it doesn't have as much mobility when it's time for it to swing. So we like to break them up so that everyone can have a more nuanced understanding of which parts of their body um, need attention. Awesome. I think that is a really important thing. And again, what is something we can try right now to start working on that? So I'm going to make this one pretty simple. I just want you to stand on your right leg. 
without touching into anything and also without bending the knee of your standing leg. But then I want you to do one more thing. So in addition to standing upright on your right leg, I want you to back your hips up so that your weight on that single leg is on the rear of the foot, more on the heel and less in the middle and the front of the foot. So if you want to toggle uh, a little bit between the front and the back of your foot, you can definitely do that. You can let your pelvis sort of fall towards the front of the foot and you'll feel more weight on the front of your foot. And then you'll back your hips up and you'll stand on that one leg, really pressing the heel bone down. So that's that's a good stance leg exercise because it allows you to see like, whoa, I, my arms are all over the place and I can't stop swaying. You could be working on your walk while you're standing, either you know working again at your desk or if you're in line at the grocery store, you can be working on your walk just by teasing out this little piece of how strong is the leg that I'm standing on? How balanced do I feel on it? And of course we should do the other leg real quick. Okay, so that's stance leg. For the swing leg, I'm gonna give you a quick exercise for seeing if uh, your hips are able to open all the way. So I want you to stand on your right leg and you're gonna grab your left leg behind you like a, a runner's stretch, a runner's quad stretch. If you can't hold your leg back behind you, you can use a strap. And instead of holding your leg at the foot, it would be better if you could hold it at the bottom of the shin. So your foot's sort of draping over the hand that's holding you. So if you can get into that position, congratulations. But now I'm going to start adding a few more things. The first is check out your knees. If you are standing in front of a mirror, it helps. But if you're just listening, you can bend over and watch. You want your knees to be together. So instead of that bent leg sort of flailing out to the side or moving in front of you, you want to pull it back and in so that the knees are side by side. And then the second piece is when we've got that kind of permanent hip crease from sitting, what it does is when you bring your leg back, it also brings your pelvis back. So you're going to tuck your pubic bone forward to try to give yourself a little bit more length in the lower back. And when you do that, you end up finding this one quadricep muscle called your rectus femoris. And it's a long muscle that goes from your pelvis to your shin. So it crosses over your hip joint. It crosses over your knee joint. It can move your pelvis out of the way. It can move your lower back when it's tight. So this is this is the move that helps you find and stretch that. And we'll do the same thing on the other side. And the fifth section is strong on stairs. Why is this one important? Well, hills and stairs, they're a part of our daily life. And when these become challenging, especially when the knees and hips uh, can't tolerate going uphill or downhill or upstairs or downstairs, it really limits where we can go and what we can do. And what exercise can we do to get stronger on stairs? So whether it's going up or down the stairs, a very simple exercise that you can try, even if you just have, even if you don't have stairs, even if you have steps just up into your back porch is to, you're going to slow your uphill down and you're just going to step with your right foot up onto the steps. You're going to look down at your knee and I want you to slowly step up until you're standing all the way on your right leg in the air and then step down. And you're going to keep doing that. You're going to keep stepping up and stepping down. But that's not the most important part. The most important part is that as you're looking down at the knee, as you step up and down, you don't let the knee drop in towards your midline or out away from your midline. So just like the calf elevators, we really didn't want our ankles wobbling right to left as your calf, your, as your ankle joints moved up. As your pelvis moves up, the stairs, you don't want your knees sort of dropping in and out. That ends up using 
much more of the sides of the knees than what's required. And what you'll find is you have to use quite a bit of hip musculature, whether it's on the outside of the hip or closer to the inside of the groin to hold your knee there, which is great because it means that you're using more of your legs on the stairs. You can repeat that same thing on the other side. Okay. And number six is another sort of unexpected part of the body that we don't necessarily think about being part of our walking. And that is our core and our shoulders. So how do those get involved in walking? Well, I love that you brought this up because we do think of walking as a lower body phenomenon, not a whole body phenomenon. And it is absolutely uh, just as much about your upper body as it is your lower body. So if you stand with your arms by your side and just start swinging your arms front to back, so that they're so that they're swinging in parallel lines. You want to try not to cross them in front of you. They really move straight forward and straight back, ideally just like your legs do when you're walking. And then after you've loosened up your shoulders, you're going to swing your arms opposite to each other. So you've got one going forward and one going back. And you want to create motion, but you also want to have sort of a looseness. Like you want your arms to really be swinging. And if you remember, if you haven't been on a swing in a while, the definition of swing is really that after you bring something up, when it drops and relaxes, it moves like a pendulum back. So you don't have to just be tensing and raising your arm in front of you and raising it behind you. There's a looseness to your shoulders that we want because when the arms are moving during walking, they're coordinating with your legs naturally. You don't have to think about it. And it's not only the arms, it's the trunk the trunk, you've got muscles in your trunk that are also coordinating this. And so when there's a lot of stiffness in the torso, a lot of stiffness in the shoulder, you can actually be demanding more tension and contraction in your lower back and in and in your hips and your, your psoas, which are these long um, muscles that run from just below your rib cage down your spine to the front of the thigh. When you don't have that looseness or suppleness in your waist and shoulders, then those other muscles sort of have to lock down your, your torso so it makes walking uncomfortable. So practice that arm swing motion and just focus not so much on the motion, but on the relaxation, the flow of the arms and legs and sort of stripping out the tension there and then let your arms shake out your hands. And then when you go for a walk, um, the arms can kick in and do what they do naturally. Well, that was an explanation and an exercise all wrapped into one. Yeah, I'm efficient that way. <laughs> <laughs> and just for fun, let's throw in a section about how to make walking more challenging. For those of us who have been walking for a while now and want to up the ante a little. I get that question a lot. I think we don't think of walking as a, a fitness-making exercise because there's not a tremendous number of variables with which we can play. You know, when you're talking about improving your fitness through other modes of exercise like cycling or running, you can always, you know, you go faster um, or you go longer. And so... You can obviously play with those variables with walking as well, but there's not that much speed to walking before it becomes running. And so you're sort of limited on speed. And because walking takes so long, if you will, we often don't have hours in which we can go for volume. So if you had to work with the same speed or the same volume or uh, let's say time that you have allotted to walking. Some of the things that you can do is look for more difficult terrain. So if you're always walking the same loop, see if there's something 
close to you or available to you that offers more hills, more complex texture, or what I just call uh, lumps and bumps. You know, if everything is very smooth and hard, it's going to be hard for your body to develop its ability to move more parts while walking. So you want to walk on the grass just to the side of your regular sidewalk walk. Or if you have the opportunity to go to a park, see if you can find a loop that's the same distance that adds some hills and some things that require balance and you stepping over, um, varying up your step a little bit so that you are digging into some of the complexity of walking that that isn't triggered or isn't it's not teased out when everything that you walk on is flat and level and smooth. So those are pretty artificial surfaces. You can play with terrain and texture, and you can also play with carrying something while walking. So that could be, for ease, it could be simply loading a backpack. That could be a grocery bag. You know, you could think about like adding, walking to your grocery store, or um, if you have a farmer's market, it doesn't even have to be within walking distance from where you live. You can just park shy a mile of those places and walk in and out carrying that load. And you will experience what it is that I'm talking about, which is the increased oxygen demand um, and strength and muscle use when you start adding a load to the exact same mileage and speed that you were doing before. All right. I'd like to thank Katie Bowman one more time for this deep explanation, and I hope you now agree that walking truly is a superfood. Now, if you want to try out the Walking Well program, you can go to tuneupfitness.com, or you can go and read and listen and watch and learn from Katie at her own website called nutritiousmovement.com. And don't forget to tune in next week to the Get Fit Guy podcast because we're going to talk about kettlebells and how to use them, when to use them, and why you might want to use them. So you don't want to miss that one. Now, my name is Brock Armstrong. I'm the Get Fit Guy asking you, what are you waiting for? Go walk well. Well.